Well, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Unmasked Podcast, where we talk about things of life, culture, faith, kind of anything, as we've stated, a little bit of politics, kind of anything, as as we've stated the last few weeks, that... uh, kind of giving us a chance to speak open and honestly about the things going on in our world. So welcome to our, I believe this is our fourth official episode. That's really crazy. And today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my father, my confidant, the the eagle. <laughs> there you go. Keep going. Da- Keep going. David yeah. Robinette. There, the the legend in his own mind that's it <laughs> that's it hey i want to go ahead and apologize for those of you listening today if you hear a slight rumble in the background it's because it's negative 20 degrees <laughs> in the office that we are recording and so we absolutely have the heat going on you know and i'm we, not turning it off we have a an, an employment policy in our church we never let anybody go we just turn the heat off in their office <laughs> and just kind of freeze them out. <laughs> yeah, it's really cold in here. Yeah, it okay. is freezing. And I feel like this it, used to be my office. Why was it never this cold? Well, I feel like it takes. <laughs> I don't know. Did you do something <laughs> on your way out to right. so make it miserable for the next guy, right. aka me? Well, um, yeah, it's cold. It's it's cold outside. Yeah, it's very cold, man. I, I was out scraping my car off this morning and thought what I would do for a garage right now. We have right. a garage, but it's filled with, it's a small garage, and it's yeah. filled with the stuff that small garages get filled with. And uh, Can um, you fit a car in it? Yeah, but it'd be snug. And it's down under the house, and we have an old, old Cape Cod, and there are rock walls that direct you into right. the garage. Right, and. When we first moved into the house, your mom had a brand new car, and in the ice, I slid it into one of those rock walls. Oh man! And uh, so since then, I've and um, I've got an old scooter in there right now, yeah. which I'm pretty excited for the spring to come to crank that thing out because I've never really been able to use it at all. Right. And it was one of those cheap end of the year. Some guys trying to get Christmas money, so he sold it off, <laughs> and so I bought it. Yeah. And now I can't wait to ride it. Yeah, it's but, sweet. But I'm, I'm uh, excited to also write it. <laughs> yeah, right. But but uh, so I I would I would love to have a have a garage. Have a nice garage. Yeah. But you're looking for a house. Put that at the top of your list. Yeah, that's an interestingly that's not at the top of our list. I know. But maybe it should be. I know. Maybe we'll add it. You need to take hot tub, bump it down <laughs> a few, and move garage up a little higher. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we can maybe because we can always add a hot tub. It's harder to add a garage than it is to add a hot tub. No, there you go. That is, that is a the hot tub is a necessity request of of my wife's. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so I we're would. either gonna find a house with one or it will be our first major purchase <laughs> once we move in. <laughs> right. Well, so while it's like sub zero degrees outside right, right now, you can boil away in your hot tub. We we uh, we actually both love them. I mean, it is something that she wants, but we both love them. We had um, every time we, we we've gotten to go away a couple of times, like up to Hocking Hills or something like that, in in the middle of Ohio, and uh, we always stay at these cabins um, that have hot tubs, and there's, I don't know, there's just something so mm. refreshing about. Even, and we normally go during the winter time, 
whether we go like f- as a New Year celebration or you know my birthday's on Christmas, so we, <laughs> which you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for right. those listening, how'd that get past me? <laughs> um, but uh, so Kate and I'll sometimes go for my birthday or whatever. But we love hot tubs. I think the closest I ever came to to dying, um, I ran a marathon in San Diego. Uh, and 26 miles when I got his first, the only full marathon I've ever run. Yeah. Got back to the hotel. You all decided to go sightseeing and, and I decided to go in the room and die because I just run 26 miles (laughs) and I got into the, we had a a tub in our our hotel room, had that boiling hot, got in there, felt dead asleep, you know? (laughs) So Woke up a couple hours later. At that point, the water turned ice cold. My body had all <laughs> kind of uh, stiffened up. And so I, I, it was either the run or the tub. One was going to kill me. But. Wasn't, was that the trip that I, when, when we went sightseeing? I don't remember it well. And maybe mm-hmm. it's because of this event, if I remember it correctly. Isn't that the trip where I, like, fell and hit my head on a rock or something <laughs> like that? And yes, yeah. Right next to a big sign that said, Hikers, be careful. There are mountain lions on this path. We were in San Diego, and we would <laughs> decide to go out and do a little bit of hiking. That was the day before the race. And oh, was it? Yeah, you were like, what, seven years old, I think? I don't know. Something like that. And uh, climbing old on a tree. I remember it, but not on another. Yeah. <laughs> you were climbing a tree, and you must not be a very good climber because you came falling out of it and landed flat on your back on this giant rock. And, uh, yeah, this is this is a great way to spend this vacation. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Well, hey, for our discussion today, um, you had shared with me a couple of days ago that you read an article, I believe it was Cincinnati Inquirer or Cincinnati.com mm-hmm. or something, and, yeah. and that, that really bothered you. And I feel like it's a common theme that we're seeing in our culture today, and I, I felt like it was a, something we needed to discuss. And... Uh, but anyways, if you would share just kind of a, a quick summary of what you read. Yeah, right. Well, w- what bothered me, quite frankly, um, you know, as President Biden took office, one of the first things he did was a number of executive orders. Uh, that's That always happens when a new president comes in. Right. And uh, and, and no commentary on, on those orders. Maybe we'll talk about that stuff at another time. But one of those orders was over the—, the uh, uh, you know, the uh, permission given to transsexual teens to compete in a, uh, a sport of their choosing. Sexually, right. the, the ones they identify. So like a, so like a, a, a biologically born male. Right. Identifying as a woman. Right. Uh, being able to compete in female sports. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And vice versa. Right. Um, and in the midst of that, uh, we had a politician here in Cincinnati, a legend guy, Dusty Rhodes. He's a yeah. Hamilton County auditor. Um, he used to be a, a radio DJ. You have to be a DJ if your name is Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> but, um, and, he, and he's a solid guy. He's been around here forever. Right. And uh, he's a Democrat, and, uh, but he's, he's pro-life. Yeah. And, and he has some fairly conservative views in the midst of, of – um, even the Democratic Party, and um, and he just he made a comment about he tweeted a comment about uh, suburban. I, I don't think this is going to be real popular with suburban moms, 
you know, having teenage boys in a locker room with their daughters. Right. Okay. Well, in his opinion, and uh, he shares it. Uh, Dusty has already been um, uh, ridiculed and even uh, not endorsed by his own party because uh, of being pro-life, for right. one. But after he shared that tweet, what really got to me was the response by one of our city councilmen, Chris Seelbach. Um, Chris is... Uh, uh, I have it pulled up right here, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the language is just kind of rough. We're not going to share exactly what he said because of the language, but go ahead and read the tweet. Yeah, so this was Chris Seelbach's response. He says, uh, you are such a bigoted piece of trash luckily you probably won't run for re-election because you are smart enough to know you'd get clobbered and then he says f off dusty a roads um and the a was also another expletive yeah calls him a piece of trash has to use the f word has to use the 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 a the the a word and and all of these things toward dusty um and chris He's and he he tends to get uh, he's uh, he's gay, yeah. openly homosexual. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm not speaking to that. Yeah. What really ticked me off is this guy's running for mayor, Cincinnati. Yeah. Can you not share a tweet like that without all the expletives? Yeah. Can you not have a civil discord uh, discourse without? And this is a guy who, uh, you know, say what you will for Donald Trump. Right. And, and I was as quick as anybody else to say, hey, uh, Donald Trump needs to get rid of his phone. He right. needs to get rid of the tweeting. He right. needs to clean it up. You know, that's this is I, I'd love to have a p- president that we can not only embrace policy, but we can embrace character. Exactly. And look right. up to. And so and, and he was resoundingly criticized for that behavior. And now you've got. uh uh, Chris Seelbach, who's running for mayor of Cincinnati, yeah. and who has known for this kind of, um, the, the, this kind of verbiage when he right. shares this kind of these things, and and I'm quite frankly I've had it. Yeah, can we not? Uh, I I'm just reading social media posts from you know people who post things on Instagram or whatever. Um, it, it seems to be sort of the chic thing to do to put the F word all through your, you know, hey, blank this, blank that. And you go for it today. And today is going to be a great effing day. And yeah. and uh, you're the don't let anybody take your effing spirit. And uh, they try to share p- positive things. And they but they throw all these expletives in there, try to make things cool. Right? And to me, it's just one. It's it's intellectually uh, lazy. Yeah. And two, it's it just. Our culture has lost civility. Our culture has lost, uh, and and some people want to blame that on Donald Trump. Uh, once again, the man had his faults. Yeah. Obviously, he's yeah. still kind of parading those around. But it started long before Donald Trump, right? And and I just, in the midst of that, we when people want to talk about unity, yeah, people want to talk about bringing a nation back together. One of the simplest things we can do is just to be kind. Yeah. Just clean up the words we use. And um, and so that just really got to me. And so I've started a campaign. No, I haven't. But <laughs> I'm thinking about try, how do we as Christians, how do we as um, just kind people right. start a movement that says, I'm going to use language 
that is uplifting and encouraging. Yeah. And even if I disagree with you, I don't have to destroy your character. Right. And I tell you what I will do. Um, and I'm still, I don't live in the city of Cincinnati. I live in Hamilton County, but I don't get to vote for the, the, the mayor, the mayor right. but boy, um, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of somebody who feels like this is the way to re respond yeah. uh, online and through social media, um, being the leader of, of our city. Right. I, uh, a couple of thoughts. I think, um, you, know, you, you even mentioned you know, talking about removing you know, expletive words from even like uplifting comments and stuff. Sadly, that's just a part of the culture we live in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, and and that, I mean, for me, I guess that just is what it is. Though that's not the language I choose to use. You know, if you want to have a uplifting, effing uplifting day, great. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it, whatever. Right. Um, but, but for me, the problem is we use that language uh, as as harmful towards somebody else mm -hmm. and the problem. So I, when, when you talked about Chris Seelbach, when you read that, that tweet, I went back and looked at his, I was trying to find the tweet. So I went mm -hmm. back and looked at his, his Twitter page and he has a pinned tweet at the top of his page, which basically he, he, it's a, a tweet that he wrote on in September of two, uh, September of 2020 but he pinned it, so no matter, whenever you look at his page, it's the first thing that you see. Mm -hmm. uh, and then everything he has written recently falls underneath that yeah. pinned tweet. And he he quotes, he doesn't, well, he doesn't actually give her credit, but he quotes Mother Teresa. Uh, and his pinned tweet says, people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies, but succeed anyway. Um, and, and so for me, the issue is not only what he said in response to Dusty Rhodes mm -hmm. and the way that he called him out in such vulgar mm -hmm. language. Um in evil language, quite frankly, but the hypocrisy of the fact that when you go to his social media page, yeah. the very first thing you see is no matter what else happens or no matter what somebody says to you, be kind anyway. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. So, so, <laughs> oh, that, by the way. so that applies to everybody else, but not you. <laughs> and, and so for me, that's, that's the problem. Right. And, or that's a part of the problem is the hypocrisy that, we we can say whatever we want to say. We can be as hurtful as as we want to be, but you're not allowed to be hurtful back, mm -hmm. or you're not allowed to disagree with my. Or right. I might disagree with what something you're saying, but I can't just. But I'm not just going to be kind the way I want you to be kind to me. I'm mm -hmm. going to attack you for it. Yeah, and and I think we even see that in our Christian culture, which is so frustrating to right. me. Right, that we can't have a disagreement with somebody without without bashing them and um and like you i'm just as frustrated and in the same regard it's it's like we even as christians can't are, are seemingly careless with our words mm -hmm. and can't 
seem to put a sentence together without bashing somebody that we have a disagreement with. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating. It is, yeah. And I think, once again, words are some of the most powerful tools we have. Yeah. And yet, you know, the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. And so if you want to know what's going on in a person's life, just look at their words. Um, right. Probably the greatest indicator that we have of a person's um, uh, internal condition yeah. is is the way they choose to speak. Right. And when you when you hear a lot of anger and vitriol and attacking and those kind of things, you know that's that's who that person is yeah. because out of that overflow of what's inside of them, that's kind of words. And, and so I think it should be a caution to us to. Uh, to really measure the way we use our our words, the way we use our tone, the way it affects our relationships, and and to our testimony right. publicly, right? And I struggle I struggle with people. You know, a lot of Christians will 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 go to their pastor, and it's happened. I know it's happened to us. You know, they'll, they'll come to us and they'll say, "This policy was just released. It goes against." what the Bible says, and I want you to, sp- you know, speak, uh, I want you to, to, to speak against it from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would agree, you know, maybe the policy that was released does go against what the Bible says, but what's really our response here? Yeah. And what's, what's the right way we as Christians are supposed to respond? Is it just standing at the pulpit saying, this policy that was just released by our president is wrong and goes against the Bible and we should condemn them and whatever. Or is it, yeah, maybe this policy doesn't align with scripture, but we're not, our response should not be anger. Our response should not be hatred and, and hurtful words and, and, and vulgar language and, and uh, uh, lashing out mm-hmm. at, at these people. Uh, it's it's ultimately our response is to love, and we've been called to honor, and even if we disagree with, we've been called to honor and pray for our leadership, um, and and our response is to love people. You made let, let me say this, and then you can respond. Okay. You you made a point a couple of days ago when we were, when we were first talking about this, and you said um, that when. A policy is released that may disagree or that may go against what what Scripture says. Ultimately, the effects of that policy tend to hurt people more than help people. Mm-hmm. And um, and we don't need to necessarily go into specifics, but that's just historically when you look at a policy mm-hmm. that may be released that is against the the biblical or the standard of scripture mm-hmm. ultimately it, it has had negative effect on the people that it's trying to help and so oftentimes i guess my problem is oftentimes christians they just want to attack the policy and attack the president for releasing that policy rather than being ready to help love and care for the people that are hurting because of it yeah that's my problem and like I can't, I can't stand, and and I, I hate to say this because we have, you know, we know people that do this, but it's just a huge issue for me. I can't stand the people that pick it out front of Planned Parenthood, 
that as young women or whoever, women that are going into this place, thinking about having an abortion, they're seeing people, uh, those picketing probably would consider themselves Christians, standing out front saying, what you're doing is wrong, you're going to go to hell, God is against abortion, all this kind of stuff. And rather, and so these girls going into this place, seeing those, how do you think that makes them feel about this decision that they're about to make? And then and, and instead of us as the church being ready to, no matter what happens inside that place, because we can't make that decision for them, the way we're trying to make it for them is not working and is not helping and is going to cause more trauma on top of the potential trauma that they're going to have because of the decision that they make. Mm -hmm. Either way, uh, we as the church need to be ready to love and care for these girls, these women coming out of that place rather than picketing as they going as they're going in telling them that they're the worst human being in the world does that yeah. make sense no I, I i know what you're saying and i think you know in some ways the there has to be a balance between standing up for righteousness yeah. and what god says in his laws and and, and abortion is a great example of that um but so often we've 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 only stayed on the judgment accusation shame side right and there's got to be a balance between that and caring for the people who, and I think that's this is an example of a, of a, a national policy that has victimized yeah. so many people, yeah. not just the preborn children, but but the the women who have gone through this procedure, and who who carry the uh, the scars of those things, right. and and how we as a church need to figure out that uh, that that balance. method of ministry and love and encouragement and support to people who are being traumatized by this. And so I think, sadly, what we tend to do is we, we only know how to judge and shame and ridicule So because we don't know how to, to support and love and, and, and uh, seek to restore folks. We just don't do anything. Right. We're good at the judgment. We're not good at the restoration. And so we just don't do it. And... Uh, um, there are places, though, that are figuring it out, there and are, I think yeah. that, that I think that's there. We need to learn more and more of that. And quite frankly, I think now, because we're going into an administrative period uh, nationally, where um, many of the policies that are being uh, uh, really ramped up and supported and, and and defended by our president and vice president. Um, as Christians, a lot of these things we can't stand for, but it also sets the table for us to be different than our culture. Yeah. And we as Christians are pretty comfortable when we can blend in. Right. We can just kind of let everything ride. But it's when the culture is something where we have to stand out. And, and the table's set for us now. Yeah. Even in this issue of kindness and in the words that we use, um, as the world continues to grow more and more aggressive, and more and more violent, even in its vocabulary, yeah. we as Christians should stand out more. Right. We shouldn't blend in as much as we used to. Uh, I think it's interesting in that whole discussion, you know, when Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, it was a time of overwhelming oppression by the Romans. Right. Um, but he never went after the Romans. Nope. He always went after super hyper-judgmental 
religious leaders. religious leaders. Right. And that's where you saw the anger of Jesus. And so I think that's that shows us once again that uh, even the heart of God is one where we is not so much just attacking our government. It's literally loving the people who are being victimized by it. That's so good. Uh, and I, I think that that needs to be the number one challenge and conviction of the church today in 2021. Uh, we are we are way too good at falling into the trap of uh, attacking the government or, or, or attacking the choices and the policies of the government, ultimately attacking the people and the character of the people of, of our government. And we are not good at actually caring for the people that are being hurt and, as you said, victimized by the choices that our government's making. Okay, here's the challenge. And I'm, I'm getting a little convicted about this right now. Um, you know, I was calling Chris Seelbach out for the way he attacked Dusty Rhodes. So how am I going to love Chris Seelbach? Right. You know, how am I going to? That's it. How am I going to, at the same time, maybe I got to go sit down and write out an email to Chris Seelbach and say, hey, on a podcast today, I called you out because of the way you used, uh, used that vocabulary. But at the same time, how can I, you know, try to love the guy? Uh, that's, right. that's that's the razor's edge that we walk as Christians. That's it. And it's a mind blower sometimes, but we're just good at judgment. You yeah. know, we're good at criticism. Uh, we're not so good at the, the support side. And my hope, and, and I'm, glad to the, I'm glad that you pointed that out, because I think that could be the response of some people listening to us mm -hmm. in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's my hope for this podcast and for these discussions is that we aren't necessarily here just to bash Chris Seelbach. Mm -hmm. We're here to point out what we believe is wrong with our culture, and he is a part of that. Mm -hmm. What's wrong is that we can't have com human conversation with people anymore without, dis without some form of disrespect. Right. And we can't have a conversation with somebody that we disagree with without some form of attacking language. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly frustrating to me. And there's there's hypocrisy on both sides. Uh, and, and again, we pointed that out with Chris Seelbach, yeah. the, the language that he used against Dusty Rhodes while pinning a tweet at the top of his page that says, no matter what happens, be kind. Mm -hmm. And uh, And I'm just, I agree with you. I think that is the challenge. And for us as the church, we have to do a better job at being less aggressive and attacking with our words yeah, and being more loving and, and less judgmental and being more loving, kind and caring to the people around us mm. that are being hurt and victimized by the very thing we are attacking and feel like we're doing the right thing for, but ultimately we're doing a bad job caring for people. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was a youth pastor back in the nineties and I was being, uh, uh, mentored by a, uh, an older guy who was a, also a youth pastor, had been one for many, many years. And he said that as the world grows more and more distant from from God and the principles of God, um, violence will be the result. Yeah. Uh, and aggression will be the result. Yeah. And it wasn't apathy. It wasn't, you know, just, you know, we, we always kind of think the world's just going to go crazy, uh, you know, pleasure and all that kind of stuff 
No, what really results is is anger and apathy and those sort of things. Yeah. Um, or, 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 excuse me, violence and anger and, and aggression and those kind yeah. of things. And that's exactly what's happened. And it, and it seems like, you know, as we, even with the words we use, and um, it's funny, I, I do a little bit of real estate work along with the, with the ministry. And um, um, you can tell from the very first conversation you have with the other real estate agent yeah. on the other side of the table, whether or not this is going to be a battle yeah. or if this is going to be a, 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 a cooperative, let's all kind of work, uh, work this transaction together. Right. And, and I, I, um, I've actually been commended a couple of times from other people have said to me, Hey, thanks for not making this a war. Yeah. And that's, I, I think how much can we do, how much can we benefit the culture if we as uh as believers can put our mind toward restoration and not toward making everything a war yeah that's good and, and another uh another you know kind of uh biblical principle that i think we could can take from this too is a, a recognition that we're not called as christians just to to sit in the peace of god we're called to be peacemakers and so because of that, we can almost take a piece of application from this being, are, are your words going to cause or going to bring about peace? Mm. Or are they going to bring about, you know, something else, anger, hurtful, hurt, yeah. you know, hurts, whatever. Uh, ultimately, we're supposed to be peacemakers, people of love, compassion. And as you said earlier, our words have so much power, so much yeah. power. And uh, I think that that's something I think what, what's frustrating is I feel like people know that words have power, but I don't think that they understand that their words have power. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just think it's something we need to be more aware yeah. of. No, I agree. Um, kind of as we bring this to a close, but I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to miss this. I thought it was interesting on my way in here today to, to have this conversation. I saw, um, an article released where there was, it was released by Relevant Magazine. Um, and there was basically, uh, some, uh, leaders, pastors of the, of the Southern Baptist Convention that had, have recently made public statements calling uh, Vice President Kamala Harris a Jezebel, um, which for those of you listening that don't understand the implications of that from, from a Christian perspective, that's, that's almost like the deepest insult <laughs> that you can no. give is to call someone a Jezebel. Oh, it's, it's awful. And, uh, you know, Je Jezebel in the, the character of Jezebel in scripture was an evil, um, you know, was an evil person, was an evil woman. And, and so to call somebody a Jezebel, you know, in Christian culture is, is not good. There's also a, 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 uh, a, a racial context to this though, that, um, is I think important to understand. But before we get into that, because uh, I want to read what this article says. Um, the article that came out basically was stating again that there were some some kind of high-class Southern Baptist Convention leaders, pastors, calling Kamala Harris 
our vice president, a Jezebel, and the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, so the president of the denomination, J.D. Greer, actually condemned those mm. pastors for calling her a Jezebel, which I thought was good, and I'm glad yeah. he did. And so let me, I want to read what he says, and then out of that I want to read sort of the, the, the racial context side of this because mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to understand J.D. Greer, uh, in response to some of these leaders of, of his denomination, that would be underneath him, calling uh, Kamala Harris a, a Jezebel, J.D. Greer says, I realize that some pastors are likely unaware of the history of certain racial stereotypes in calling or comparing our vice president uh, to Jezebel. But that doesn't make such statements any less unwise. There are times we will critique policies, but that should not include personal attacks on a newly elected official God has told us to honor and pray for. Let us speak clearly and boldly for righteousness, but in a way that honors what the scriptures say about honoring our leaders. We don't correct one sin through another. And uh, I think that that kind of summarizes, I think he kind of summarizes oh, yeah. even our conversation today um, in response to, to what some of these people said. But I, again, I wanted to call out or, or, or actually read what this article states about the racial context of calling Kamala Harris a Jezebel. While in the Christian circle, in the Christian context, that would just be a, a deep evil insults yeah, bad enough yeah. yeah that's bad enough now you add on top of that um what the the what the racial context is here so this article again relevant magazine it says calling a woman jezebel is the sort of bold take you post when you've got nothing whatsoever to say The Jezebel label is a well-worn racist trope. The Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia at Ferris State University documents the long, horrible history of calling black women Jezebels, which began in slavery, extended through the Jim Crow period, and continues today. While the original Jezebel of the Bible is portrayed as an evil queen in the Old Testament, the book of Revelation talks about a spirit of Jezebel that misleads, quote, misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols, end quote. In the U.S., the term became associated to the racist notion of a promiscuous black woman as a way to justify white slavers raping their black slaves. Hmm. So again, now understanding not only the Christian cultural context, right. but the, the historical racial context right. of our country, pastors, Christian leaders and pastors calling Kamala Harris a Jezebel is absolutely uncalled for Uh, it's ridiculous and and it's that that's evil that's evil and quite frankly calls me to question their own uh uh uh, religious conviction and relationship to the jesus i believe in and to the jesus i'm in relationship with 
And I am proud of the fact that J.D. Greer, the president of their denomination, mm-hmm. Southern Baptist, called them out on it and condemned yeah. them for their language. Um, but that, to me, while being an extreme example of the conversation you and I have had today, is very relevant and prevalent in our Christian culture today, right. and it cannot be uh, stood for. And, and, and you know, I, I, I think, again, it's just an example of, uh, they're they're preaching to their own audience, yeah, and trying to get rise out of people who would agree with them, yeah, um, and they're doing nothing to reach a culture that just keeps going farther and farther into the tank, yeah. and uh, a preacher who's doing something like that and calling our vice president, who we're called to pray for, and uh, um, even if you yeah. don't support right policy, right, uh, what's what kind of influence are they going to have in their community right by by that kind of language you right. know by those those kind of words once again they might get a big amen out of their congregation which is uh, in my right. my mind to be inappropriate anyway right but that's probably what they're going to get um but at the same time uh, they're they're losing any influence they would have over the community around them yeah. and that's who we're supposed to be we're supposed to be the hands and the feet and the love of jesus who uh, who was in his day calling those kind of people out? Right, those kind of people who were throwing words around that were inappropriate like that. Right. So, yeah, it's a great great point. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say. Uh, well, now I'm would, angry. You've got me all right. fired up, and I'm supposed to go eat my lunch now quietly. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we continue, it would just get worse. Right. But right. but I believe I believe a challenge was stated, and I'm glad that you you I'm glad that you uh, drew us to even just an application for you and I today, mm-hmm. and and we may have called out Chris Seelbach in in a uh, disagreeing with the manner in which he carried himself. Um, but we are still called to love Chris. Right, right. And we're still called to, to figure out how even in that disagreement and, and, and the frustration of, of how he carried himself and what he said against Dusty Rhodes, um, well, you know, we, we still have to figure out how to, how to be loving, right. kind, and caring to somebody like, somebody right. like Chris. Uh, but I think that challenge needs to be for all of us today. Are, mm-hmm. are you using your words to promote peace and right. love and and compassion or are you using your words to promote aggression and and hurt yeah um and anger into a a, a culture that does not need that right now yep. we need to figure out how to regain a sense of peace and love and humanity and respect for one another even those that we disagree with um, right civility yeah i'd civility. love to see civility yeah yep all right well, that's it. That's all we got today. Uh, thank you all for listening today. I hope that you were um, at all challenged, convicted, um, encouraged. Maybe if, you, if you're people that try and live your life as loving, compassionate, kind people, we, uh, we commend you. We applaud you. We, we push you forward. Um, if you are somebody that does not live your life that way, <laughs> we would challenge you to take a look at potentially the damage that you're doing in in the lives of those around you and uh, again we just want to see some hope we want to see some unity yeah. we want to see some peace compassion love uh, back in our communities 
uh, trying to head forward into brighter days. So that's it. Dad, thank you, as always, for being with me today. Next week, I'll give you my prediction for the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's it. That's what we'll do. We'll talk about the Super Bowl next week. Right. It's probably a good idea for this conversation. <laughs> right. Since it'll already be over. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Bye.